Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, Episode 12. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Good day, localist. Listen, we have got an exciting, exciting podcast today. The Brick and Mortar Reporter is talking to Andrea Demons. Now, Andrea has a very unique business in Asheville, North Carolina. She is the owner of the Tailgate Market. And Tailgate is kind of a play on words. It's T-A-I-L-G-A-I-T, which obviously lends itself naturally to animals. And so it is a holistic pet store in Asheville, North Carolina. Andrea is a businesswoman, a lover of all things dogs with a particular affinity for Great Danes. So Andrea is going to share, she's agreed to tell us about starting her business, about some of the pitfalls and maybe even some of the successes that she's had um, so that you can learn from the path that she's been on. So Andrea, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Christy. Appreciate it. Excellent. Well, why don't you get us started? I've given just a snippet of information about you so far, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about your history and uh, anything personally and professionally you think we need to know in order to get to know you. All right. Um, I grew up outside of Boston, and my first degree, I graduated from Penn State, and I have a, a food science and hospitality degree. And nutrition always tweaked me, always tweaked me. Um, So that was kind of through my life uh, as a career. Um, And when we were first married in 1988, my first anniversary birthday present was a Great Dane puppy. And that took us on quite a journey as far as learning about dogs and training and nutrition and all kinds of interesting things. Um, we were very lucky to get a dog from an outstanding breeder just by chance, no research back in those days. Um, and that kind of led me to some really good resources. Um, we moved to South Florida about a year after we were married. Hmm, okay. Then we lived there for 17 years, and then we relocated to Asheville. We bought a property to kind of get away from the hurricanes, and... Every time we came up here, we never wanted to go back. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is definitely a good hurricane escape, the beautiful mountains. So, and we ended up here, and we love it. Asheville is a great city, great, great city, especially for local business. Yeah, it has a great vibe. If no one's, you know, if people haven't visited Asheville, they really should because it's a great destination and it has just a really cool artsy kind of vibe to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's all about the food. <laughs> uh, yes, well, that's true. The food and the crafts and all that kind of thing. So um, can you tell me, like, at what point in your life you felt like you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Well, that's pretty easy. My dad was an entrepreneur. Um, so all of my life growing up, it was I got all lessons just from from learning from him. Um and so I, I think it was always on some levels assumed um, that you need to get a lot of experience working for big companies, little companies, all those kinds of things, learn the things you can learn. But I think the goal was always to own my own business. Mm. I tell you, it's um, I was going to say it's so many people's dream, I think. And then whenever you can actually make it become a reality, um, do you feel like you're living the dream? I do. I do, absolutely. Some days, maybe not so much. Other days, exactly. you never know. I mean, That's, the dream is never exactly what you expect it right, to be. Right, but you build it up in your um, head. But, you know, and there are pluses and minuses to working for yourself versus working somebody for someone else. Um, but it's extremely satisfying, extremely satisfying. What was the biggest fear that you had? Because everyone has fears, and oh, yeah. I can imagine I can imagine you might have had a few, but what was the biggest thing that might have been in your way? Not paying the bills. No question. Yeah. 
yeah. the financial piece of it. Exactly. Yeah. How did you How did you overcome that? I mean, did you just say we're going for it no matter what, or what did you? Yeah, for? I did do a business plan. Um, a lot of the information wasn't readily available, um, and I mean, we used our investment money, our retirement money. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that is where it is, and. I think one of the things my dad always told me is it's got to hurt a little bit. You know, you have to have that incentive to really make it work. Uh Well, don't you think sometimes you do your best work when your back is a little bit against the wall, so to speak? No question about it. You you have to do it. It's motivating. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Starvation is motivation. Absolutely. So now we're up to the point where you've become decided to take the plunge and you know push past the financial fear, sink your retirement investment into your store. And how did you decide where to put your business, what the business would be, and all of those factors for establishing it? What process did you go through for that? Um, as I said, I, I've never been really big on formal business plans, but I, right. I went and did it anyway just for myself. Not okay. To present to anybody just to make sure I had gone through the steps mm-hmm. that I thought should happen because we all have our strengths and weaknesses. And, right. Um, so I did the traffic counts on a road on the way out um, that was close to us. I wanted it to be close enough for access, obviously. Mm-hmm. We were driving at the time almost an hour for anything decent for our dogs. Right. Um, and there were things that I saw that were good and bad about the other stores that were available at the time. And I just thought an hour is a little too far. We have huge traffic counts on our on our road that goes into town. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought the the location was right with the traffic counts. There was a new um, plaza that had just been built. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought they might be a little hungry for some tenants. Right. Um, there was a great traffic light excellent parking which if you're going to carry 30 60 90 pounds of dog food you need to have good parking <laughs> absolutely absolutely um all those kinds of things as far as where i was gonna put the business um mm-hmm. as far as justifying if it was warranted Asheville's a huge dog city huge right absolutely and while it was harder to find some of the information how many dog owners blah 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 mm-hmm. blah um, I had I got enough information that I thought it was viable at that point. So at that point, you knew you were just going to go for yep. it and do your do, kind of do your best due diligence. Exactly. You know, with everything that you knew, you put your best foot forward and said, taking all the steps that I know to take. Anything else that comes along, you just have to take it as it comes. Absolutely, and and you know it's a best guess. When, when yeah. you do your numbers, it's like if I get 1% of, you know, the people that drive by or whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a best guess. And you just kind of have to, there is definitely a risk for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the one thing about it is no business is risk free. Right. And you, you take as much of a calculated risk as you possibly can. And then after that, you just got to go for it. Exactly. You know, there's, there's not a lot, not a lot of other no guarantees. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and if it was guaranteed and it was easy and it was no risk, everybody would do sure. it. You know, I mean, that's that's the whole point. Now, as you started your business and kind of got out into the local community, were there organizations or even other resources that you found particularly helpful to you as a business owner? You know, I would love to say for me there were. Um, I don't really think I, I went and talked to a couple of the gals that had businesses a little further away on the opposite side of town. Um, and I've got to say within the business, it's a wonderful group of people. And that was extremely helpful. Um, and we do have good resources in Asheville, but having the business background that I had, that wasn't really where I needed to go, but we do have them available here. Um, okay. So I, for me, really, it was much more using my business background um, mm-hmm. and my local contacts. But I, don't, I can't say there was really an organization that helped. Right. And I was going to say, you know, it seems like in some areas that people are so 
collaborative mm-hmm. instead of competitive, Absolutely. you know, with that kind of thing. And, and I know that other, I've done a couple other interviews from people in the Asheville, even Hendersonville area, and they have said the same thing, that the other business owners are absolutely fantastic and they want you to succeed, absolutely. you know, because one more successful business only helps their business. Absolutely. I know. I feel the same way about all the other businesses in the area. I want everyone to be successful. All of us. Yeah. And and that makes all the difference because you you really have a different spirit when it comes to that it's not the not the scarcity mindset but that abundance mindset that there's plenty to go around and if you provide value and when you can't provide value you refer them to someone that can exactly. then it will come back to you absolutely. Now we don't definitely don't like to focus on the negative, but I'm sure, like any other business owner, you've probably had some failures or even some some things that maybe didn't go quite as planned whenever you were starting your business. Um, and I was just wondering if there was anything specific that comes to mind when we talk about failures that maybe you could share with us that someone else could learn from. Um, I, I I do, and and you're going to have them. That's the big thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess expect them, right? And you just try to minimize them or learn as much as quickly as possible. Some people say fail fast. Do that fail fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I think probably the two biggest thing, one being in retail, there are certain lines or certain things that, you know, I brought in. I thought, oh, my God, this is the best. Everybody's going to love this. And nobody yeah. loved it. <laughs> oh. You know, and you pay for that up front. So basically those get donated or what have you to one of the rescue organizations. And you say, okay. Um, some of the other marketing, I mean, there are certain marketing things you do that just absolutely do not pay off. Um, mm-hmm. And those are probably purchasing. I had one um, vendor actually, and, and she's a small businesswoman and amazing and she told me right in my get-go, don't fall for the initial stock offerings in every case, which for us it means they will give you 20 or 30% off if you buy, you know, everything in their line. Right. Well, you may not sell everything in their line, but you may do really well with 40%. Um, okay. So you end up with all that extra stuff, even though you got 20% off, you still have 40% of your stock left. <laughs> Ah, so if you really look at the overall big picture, what can you that, that savings cost you. Right. Um, so it's not always best to buy into the cheapest deal. You mm-hmm. really have to look at what, you're, what you can sell and what you're comfortable selling. So do you find then that you kind of do more um, smaller test runs of products and that sort of thing or, or product lines? Um, it's kind of... I did at the beginning. Now mm-hmm. there are certain. I look for product lines that don't have a hundred SKUs. Um, gotcha. Yeah, because that's not going to do well in my small store. It might work mm-hmm. at Smart or a Petco or right. one of the big box stores. Um, but there are certain lines that you know there are fifty sizes of twenty flavors, and I'm just not yeah. going to sell all that. You know, right? They sell, 40 SKUs and do really well with all those 40. Mm-hmm. I just have to pick and choose what I think is appropriate for my customers, what they, they're going to buy, mm-hmm. um, because it's costly. As a business, Absolutely. It's very, very costly if you don't sell what you already bought. Yeah, and that's you know that's some of the um, the, the barrier to entry for a retail establishment is very high mm-hmm. as far as, you know, cash outlay sure. and, um, you know, it, being careful, especially, I mean, sometimes it's hard when you don't have the knowledge you need to be completely, you know, to, to be completely sure that you know what your your market and your customers want. You know, in the beginning, you, you're going through that learning process oh, yeah. just like, you know, and they're, they're get, probably giving you way more feedback sometimes than you want, you know, as far as, oh, you should get this, you should get that. But at the same time, they're probably not the same people that are going to buy it if you get it. You know, oh, it's, no question about it. That happens every day still. <laughs> and you still have to filter that and say, wait a minute, let me get go back to my core yeah, of what exactly. I know. <laughs> so, Andrea, tell me, have you um, have you ever used like a daily deal site, any like a Groupon or Living Social or anything like that? Yeah, we had a couple of local ones I did. And my experience mm-hmm. with that really was not that good. Uh, okay. Not not in a. I mean, it wasn't detrimental per se. Right. But most of the people who bought it were already existing customers. 
Okay. So, and I have a pretty good loyalty program already. Uh huh. Um, so those people, and not that I don't mind giving my my loyal customers a good deal, but right. The the idea yeah. behind that is to bring in new new customers. Absolutely. And I may have gotten if I sold a hundred, I may have gotten one or two new customers, and the rest mm. are the existing. So for okay. me, I I did not find it to be very helpful. So for your market, it turned out to be just like a um, a repeat shopper yes. discount almost or a coupon, exactly. so to speak, rather than someone trying something that they would have never tried. Right. So now what current marketing strategies are working for the tailgate market right now? Um, and that's a really good question because that is my short haul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what would you like to be working? <laughs> um. But what works for me, really, I've kind of gone, you know, through a lot of trial and error. Um, Word of mouth is by far, in my business, the number one. People trust what they hear from other people. So that has been, especially when you're talking about their pets. Um, So that's been the number one um, thing. Veterinarians, I have a lot of veterinarians that refer. Again, that goes back to a trust issue. Um, which has been very helpful. Dog trainers, um, and again, if they're comfortable with it, it kind of all goes back to who's referred is a is a trusting trusting source. So I've gone with more of a rifle marketing that I try and market only to professionals in the industry. Um, I do do some uh, the Laurel in Asheville, which is everywhere and everybody loves the magazine. Um, I do do that. I've gotten some good um, like tourist traffic, though that's not my major market. Um, People who have moved to town, they often pick that up. So that's done fairly well for me. Now, are you putting just a like a ad in there or are you actually putting an offer? Just an ad. Just an ad. Okay. So just kind of getting your name out with that those that readership yes exactly now I would you mentioned earlier you have a, a loyalty program and I would assume that a significant ma- amount of your marketing efforts actually go to retain the customers that mm-hmm. come into your store initially mm-hmm. tell us about what you're doing for your loyalty program and any other things that are working for customer retention for oh, you okay um, we do a loyalty program when they spend $200, they get a $5 reward automatically. They don't mm-hmm. have to carry a card. It's in our system by their mm-hmm. name. And what that helps us do is remember everybody's names. Um, oh. every time they check out, what's your name? What's your last name? You know, mm-hmm. not just for myself, but my employees as well. And it takes a little while to learn everybody. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like going to Cheers. You know, everybody knows your name. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Really, or your dog's name. or um, And that's been enormous both in customer retention and referral. Mm. They're like, I go there. They know who I am. They know my dog. They know my mother. Right. Exactly. Well, and I hate to say it, but most of the time, the dog's name gets learned before the human's name does. (laughs) That's standard. That's standard operating procedure. (laughs) Absolutely. But you know what, Andrea? The interesting thing is, and when you were talking about even the word of mouth referrals. Every small business owner that I have talked to as I've been doing these interviews now, and we're in the double digits of our interviews, every single one of them have identified that word of mouth is their main referral source for new customers. And it's so absolutely critical for small businesses. I mean, you don't have the advertising budgets of the big box stores and you don't have the, um, you know, the whole network set up like a lot of these other places do. And so it's critical that when you have the opportunity to make an impression with a customer, you do so that they will tell other people about it. You know, that's that's your lifeline. It is right the there. lifeline. And, and you're no different than, you know, than any other business because right. that it doesn't matter what the industry is. Every business owner is telling me that. So yeah. and I def- that in in the age of local business versus big box store, that is mm. our edge. You know, our edge is it absolutely. 
that is your value proposition. I mean, not just the fact that you can actually build relationships with your customers because you see them and you're there every single time they come in the door. Um, you know, you go to a big box store and you can go every single month and not see the same employees. Sure. You know, and not just that, but you you can't get the same kind of care and treatment. So I absolutely agree that the value proposition for those local businesses, the local independent businesses, is that relationship and the connection that you have with that you can't have with a big box store. Absolutely. So it's just it's just innate like that. Yeah. So. Now, as far as your business goes, what type of metrics or performance indicators do you personally measure, and can you tell us why you feel like those are important for your business? Um, obviously, percent of sales increase. We've had a over 40% for the last two years increase, which we're pretty happy with. Um, the amount of rewards we actually give away um, obviously tells us our repeat business, which is enormous. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I watch pretty carefully is just um, what segment of our sales sells during certain times of year. Um, for example, oh. like we sell a lot more food in January, February, because everybody already bought toys, blah, blah, blah. And that makes a difference in this industry because we don't <clears throat> have a very good margin on food. But we do have mm -hmm. toys and leashes and collars. So mm -hmm. they expect a lower um, margin during January, February, March, and April. Mm -hmm. those, are the, those are the biggest things, really. And do you, um, I mean, do you kind of keep a real close eye on what uh, segments of your products are you're getting the most uh, margin or most revenues from and then try to expand those or do you, I mean, kind of how do you look at your overall you know inventory and cost of goods and, and margins and you know that kind of thing on on that um i have to because like i said our margins on food is very low um mm -hmm. but that's what brings customers into your store every single month yeah you can't live without yeah, that it's the draw so you kind of sacrifice that and with a local business it's kind of interesting um with the other products whether it's toys or collars or whatever else it is mm -hmm. is because we have so many repeat so much repeat business you really have to rotate those items um i can't have the same collars for three years everybody's already got it <laughs> right right um and and that makes them part of the reason we don't have a huge online presence is because my inventory, other than the food, changes so quickly. That you would have a nightmare. That would be my whole life. <laughs> yeah, updating inventory. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but those non-consumable items that, you know, you don't think about that, that, you know, the same customer comes in month after month to buy food, and if they're looking for a collar, they're not going to buy the exact same one they already have. Absolutely. Never even dawned on me, <laughs> but that's that's true. I mean, I I'm I have five dogs myself, so I know, yeah. I mean, we want, we need, uh -huh. you know, it's kind of like accessories for an outfit. You've got to have one for every season, and, you know, you've got to match the dog's personality, and you just don't want to buy the same old thing every single and, time. And so. if you want to sell toys, they've got, if everybody's house is like mine, you've got a bucket full. Absolutely. You don't have 12 of the same. <laughs> exactly. Well, or the skins of yeah. 12 of the same. <laughs> no question. <laughs> There's never any stuffing left. No. That all just ends up going away anyway. Yeah, that's true. Now, Andrea, are you using any kind of social media in your business these days? Um, I do Facebook. I do. Okay. Um, um, how do you use, what are you doing with Facebook and how is that working for you? Um, I think it's different than a lot of people anticipate, at least uh, perhaps how I've used it. Mm -hmm. For me, it's mostly keeping our name in front of people. I use it mostly educational, whether it's a nutrition mm -hmm. or a vaccine or a recall mm -hmm. or a training tip, you know, something that's informationally or educationally important to my customers. And then we do a lot of fun things too. You know, there are a lot of really good dog cartoons out there and that just makes it. Oh uh, yeah. And dogs are joyful. And, right. Know, and 
Well, and, you know, I was going to say, I, you know, in doing my research and that sort of thing, that was one thing I did notice about your Facebook page, um, you know, talking about the different um, things that that could be harmful to your pet if they ingested this, that, or the other. Um, It, You know, it was, what I found is that you were providing um, actually good content to a very targeted audience. I mean, you're, you're, audience obviously likes dogs right. and they um you know but at the same time i think so many people especially small business owners you know you get on facebook and it's it seems like you know buy this buy that yeah. this is on sale that's on sale and i i scrolled down a whole lot and did not i, I wasn't seeing any of that Very um, with your facebook page <laughs> yeah and but you know what you you are right in that you have a unique um just the fact that your business is about dogs and we hold our dogs like family members for those of us that have dogs. And so, you know, whether it's a picture contest or cute videos or, you know, whatever else, it just seems like the potential to get user engagement on those things through your Facebook page is, is much greater than somebody who sells a service that we're not as emotionally bonded to. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and that's what it's about. I, my vision for the store was that it would be our local dog community, and mm-hmm. nothing people like more than talking about their dogs. There is oh, that's yeah. what it's about. <laughs> you know, right? About yeah. My dog. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and and that's uh, you know if we can talk about our dogs, and then not just that, we turn around and look at what other people are sharing about yeah. their dogs, and we like that too. It just it feeds the whole conversation, which again is about user engagement and about um, ke- like you say, keeping your name in front of people. Yeah. So it definitely and is. With them, and it is all about relationships, whether it's a vendor relationship or a customer relationship, you know, another local business relationship, you know, that we all want to help each other. Yeah. Now, is there a favorite tool you have in the day-to-day running of your business? Oh, I can't say there's a favorite tool. Um, I mean, I've been a QuickBooks person. QuickBooks person forever. Uh, Yeah, that's a good standby, good old faithful QuickBooks. And I have opened one, two, three, four, five, seven seven businesses and help people get set up in that. So I'm familiar with the tool. A lot of times, like any software, you get in, you don't know what it really does, or you never get that. The learning curve can be steep. Exactly. And because I've used it for so long, I can, you know. I love my customer history. The husband comes in and says, my wife says, you'd know what we'd buy, what we buy. And I can just go to their name and say, this sure is we do. Sure we do. We've got it right here. Let me pull it up. And they love that. That's, that's funny. Um, one of the things that we like to ask small business owners, and you would know better than anyone, is if there are holes in the market that you have found, and what I mean by that is we have people that would be looking to start um, a business and they might be looking for a niche. Mm-hmm. And are there products or services that you as a business owner would love to be able to get locally or source locally, but you simply cannot find them? Absolutely. Um, probably the biggest one in our industry is any kind of fabric dog, dog toy. Um, okay. I know anymore. There used to be two companies that were um, of any sizable. Um, there may be a few more that are very, very small. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're down to one dog toy company that actually makes fabric dog toys in the United States. In the United States. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And is that a criteria for what for your dog toys oh, yeah. or for or for your for all of your products? Yeah, anything. You know, I, I kind of use a target, like, a, um, you know, I, I try and get everything Asheville first. If I can't right, get it in right, Asheville, right. then I go to North Carolina or the tri-state area. You know, if I can't get it there, then I move out a little bit. You know, and it, it's just like a concentric circle. The uh, If I can't get it, I have to move further away. Um but there are a lot of things I'd love to find. I have one great dog cookie gal who is wonderful. But a lot of times... Is she, is she local? She's in Lake Lore. Yeah, she's, she's okay. local and she's fabulous. Um, because the one thing I noticed, like someone would bring dog cookies in and say, 
oh, I'd like to sell these in your store. And I'd be like, that's great. Bring me a sample. How much do you need for them? You know, can I sell it for that price? And then I never see them again. Really? Yes. (laughs) You know, that is, that really is surprising because you would think that if they finally got in the door and had a business owner open to that possibility, yeah, I mean that that's what you you take all the no's for so you can get to that yes, yes. you know, exactly. and then to never follow up, and then you just think, well, were they just testing the idea or yeah, they're not you know, serious. I mean, yeah, and the gal I get my cookies from, she is. Dead serious about her business. She makes an outstanding, she works her little fanny off. And really, she goes door to door to door to door, business to business. And been outstanding. And she has an outstanding product. So she's in. (laughs) Wow. Now, yeah, I was going to say that that is is something interesting that you, that, you as a business owner, and I know, you know, having the standards of trying to get source things locally and then branching out to statewide and region and then, you know, United States mm-hmm. is something that not is not in the forefront of every small business owner. Sure. But it is amazing to me um, that you you aren't, um, I guess, sales fatigued is the right word for it. You know, as a, as a business owner, I just think you would get hit all the time with people wanting you to buy things or wanting to get in your store. Um, and what? does that not, does that happen? Less than you think. <laughs> really? Interesting. And you know, and, and it could be, could be your location or it could be your industry or it could be, you know, I don't know. It could be a number of things, right. you know, but I just, it seems to me that I just felt, I just, I guess my, you know, presupposition is that every business owner is so fatigued with people saying, let me sell you this, let me sell you that, that they're going to automatically have a sales barrier up. Right. You know, I and have that more uh, with the bigger, you know, when I get, um, um, you know, someone from Colorado calls me, says I have umbrellas right. with dogs on it. I'm not that, inter- gotcha. I mean, maybe, but not really that interested. And I get, a lot gotcha. of that. I get a lot. I have a few, um, Local folks that I work really, really well with, um, mm-hmm. but they consist- can consistently deliver a product. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's important, too. Well, let me ask you this. So as a business owner, if somebody wants to get in your store, and this is not, I mean, this is just kind of your general opinion, um, is it is it more important for them to reach out to you by phone or just to show up at your business with a sample of their product or, or that sort of thing? What do you prefer? I would rather see someone show up with a sample, for sure. Okay. With um, no prior call, no warm up, no anything. Just show up, go door to door, do what you know, bring the goods. Well, I, I think maybe my how my store runs might be. I would love a call that says I'd love to be there at two o'clock. I'm from Weaverville. I have this product. I'd love to show you. Great. Um, okay. But because I am so with my customers. Mm-hmm. And they say, what's a good time? Unless you come before I'm open, I can't tell you. <laughs> right. It's your guess. You might be waiting, right? Because right? customers are going to come first. But, but sales reps or someone with a new product who understands my customers come before they do is number mm-hmm. one. When I have a someone come in with a product and they are taking my time when someone who is standing behind them is waiting to pay for something makes me crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, I would. It would make me crazy yeah. too. I would be like, "Step aside, and, please. And step aside." That's make or break. I'll listen to what you have, or I don't. Won't listen to what you have. Um, right. But I, you know, I've got a few really good locals and some other new ones coming up that I think are. It's important for me that they're serious about their business. Mm-hmm. Um, that they are really trying to go because if they really believe in their product, I can believe in their product, and then I can sell their product. Right. It's just, I, I guess, it's it's just so shocking to me to hear that that you actually have, um, you know, things that you can't get, you know, in the United States. Oh, yeah. And that, and that's, you know, that's where this really boils down to, you know, what what can we 
what can we do to fill these holes? And there are people out there that might have the skill set to do that. And there are people out there that um, might have a product and it might be in a different city and they might be approaching retail outlets to try to get in there. And so just hearing, you know, the perspective of a business owner, I mean, it's not going to be the same for every single person, but it is good to hear that because I think, it kind of goes against our prevailing wisdom a little bit, you know, to um, because you just automatically, like I say, assume that there's a sales resistance and a, you know, I don't, I don't have time to set up an appointment and I'm you know, afraid just, to go in there. <laughs> yeah, and there is, there is that, you know, you're afraid to go in, you're afraid to, you know, be rejected and all that, but at the same time, you as a business owner actually welcome and not just welcome but reward people that you know are out there hustling and working hard Absolutely. to get their product out there because they believe in it and, and my and my customers believe in it if it's you know i am so lucky to have a group of people who are community oriented and mm-hmm. want to buy local and you know really make an effort to do that that i i like to make that effort too and and I have I get leads from my customers. Oh, so and so is making these dog beds. Will you check them out? Mm-hmm. I can send them over. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And I think Asheville is probably more in tune with the conscious consumption mm-hmm. um, mantra or anything sure. than other a lot of other cities are. Absolutely. But I'm hoping and and hoping that even this podcast can help be the catalyst for that because um, I really truly believe that economic recovery for any community out there can come if enough people get behind and support the local businesses in that community you know and I think um, there are towns like Asheville that are doing that and seeing the results you know and and that's so good to see and and people want to connect and I, I think that's what makes it successful you know my customers want to connect to other other local people and and that's why I think online for and maybe it's particular to Asheville or this area Mm -hmm. Um, but people want to still make that connection they're missing that connection and I have found myself even talking about this with uh, you know with other people that I've talked to with interviews is that it's it is very counterintuitive that the more um, available we are and the more we of our lives we put out on the internet with social media with Twitter with Facebook with Instagram <laughs> you know we've got we've got every bit of our lives documented um, but what is absolutely missing is that connection mm. and that feeling of connectedness and the feeling that you can walk into a business where let's face it, you're spending your hard-earned money, whether it, you know wh- whether you have the budget for it or not, right. you're having to spend it, and to be able to connect with that business owner and actually have a relationship with them, you immediately become loyal. You know what I mean? It's sure. like instant loyalty built in, and I, I it just it's. I guess it's just one of those things that I, I, the more I see local businesses, the more I realize that is what is missing with so many of the other places. Sure. You know, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I um had had to get a oil change today mm-hmm. and ended up having an issue with my oil plug being stripped out. And I was getting it done at a really little place that, you know, it, it's a car lot and it has an oil change place. But you know what? They worked all day to try to get my oil plug out, and they never could get it out. Well, I go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. They aren't open at that time. You know what they did? They gave me a car off the car lot to drive home and said, we will work on this tomorrow. We've got the tool guy coming, and we should be able to get it easy out and be able to do this and that. You know what? I'm sorry, but Jiffy Lube wouldn't do that for me. They get the job done for you because it's important to you. Absolutely. And they're actually losing money after they've spent all this time now on a crazy oil plug. Um, And and but you know what? Whenever I have a thousand dollar car repair, they're going to be the ones that are going to do that. You know, so, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, both my dad and my husband own his own business. It's if you learn that doing the job well is your Mm -hmm. first priority, the money Mm -hmm. will follow. You can't go into it thinking money first. Because right. It's, you will make a well, lot of mistakes. 
Well, and it's not quick. I mean, most people are looking for get rich quick. Right. It's not get rich quick. No. It's, you know, it's get poor slow. Get tired. No vacation. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's the thing. I mean, you really, as a local small business owner, you have to love what yes. you're doing in order to take that plunge. And when you do, your customers know that you love what you're doing. Your employees know that you love what you're doing. They get bought into the mission they with do. you, and they treat their your business like it's theirs as well and it creates a crazy um, dynamic where people are happy to be at work and customers are happy to be shopping and it's it's just a win-win overall so I I love that you talk about the value you know adding the value and then the money will come because that's what I see over and over again and you know what that's the theme that I hear from local business Mm -hmm. owners. It's not what you hear from the big corporations. You know, the big corporations are going in for the next product, the next market, and, you know, do it. And if you have to end up laying off 500 people in order to get there and make the margins, then do it because it's just business. But you know what? Local business owners are about people. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's good to hear that. And I know that it's it's very typical of what you see in your community mm-hmm. as well. So, Andrea, um, I was wondering if there is anything that you could share with us that maybe, you know, now uh, kind of in hindsight that you wish you would have known when you started out that maybe you could share. Oh, that one's harder. Um, is it? <laughs> I think the, the the most interesting thing to me is um, that I sell what I stand by, what what I believe in, and mm-hmm. yes, I have to carry you know some of the industry standards, mm-hmm. but you know in my successes and failures, my successes have all been in products I know I'm comfortable with, I feel I can personally stand behind. Um, so I think I would have wasted a lot less money if I had said, Uh I know this product, I love this product, this is what's going to sell because people want to know what your opinion is. They want to, you're the expert, so they're going to buy what you tell them to buy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it would have saved a lot of money doing that. (laughs) Well, let me, let me ask you this because, um, I think in, in, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that some of your products would tend to be more toward the higher end um, products that you would find in in some finer pet stores. Is would that be right? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I think when I hear people say, "Oh, wow, your prices are better than anybody else's," and that is not my goal. My goal right, is to have right, the right. best value. Uh-huh. Meaning, you know, the best bang for your buck that you can get. Mm-hmm. And we do we do have because of where I am on Leicester Highway, it's a very eclectic mix right. market. Um it's not like downtown Asheville or Charlotte or, or where mm-hmm. you are. Um so I have to have a a good value mm-hmm. food, a good value supplement as well. Um and so, yeah, I have some things that are really, really expensive. Um, well, and part of it, some of what you end up having to do, even when you talk to your customers, it's not even just about the higher end stuff, but, you know, you have a lot of educating to do mm-hmm. um, just to share and, and make people understand why you only supply these brands of food and not all the same ones you see in the grocery store. That's probably about 80% of my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and <laughs> you know, but the thing is, once you educate mm-hmm. people and then they try it and they begin to see their dog feeling Act- better, acting better, you know, not Going having that less. <laughs> Not having as much gas or whatever. No, it's true. Yeah, I know it is, and it's you know when you when you do that and you take the time to educate them, again you've got a loyal customer, oh, yeah. you know. And I know that 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 time spent educating is important as is and I can't even say it is as important to your business as the time you spend checking out that yeah, customer. That's the market, and that's what I also consider my marketing time. I get to know them. They get to know me. We build that trust. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, be, there are products that I have that may be less than their, 
there's several that are better quality that are less than a big box store. Mm-hmm. Um, not always, but uh, several. And, you know, they're TV marketed to for certain brands that they have big marketing budgets and not a lot in the bag. So mm-hmm. it is, yes, it's a lot of time educating people. And I think that's true in many industries, really. Well, it is. And I think, you know, I think with the education, um, when people understand it more, you begin to get them away from looking and evaluating mm-hmm. something strictly on price. Exactly. Because as a local business owner, um, and, and granted, I am not the expert, but I will just say that in my opinion, I think any time that you set out to compete with the national chains on price, it's a losing proposition oh, from absolutely. the get. Oh, You can't. You can't. You yeah. cannot do it. And it's pretty funny when the manager of Petco shops at your store. That. <laughs> You kind of feel like it's a uh, sleeping with the enemy kind of moment or something there. (laughs) You know, but that's, I was going to say, though, it's so interesting to see how that education builds the loyalty. And suddenly, not just that, but, you know, when you have a dog owner that now they have a new piece of information, they they understand why they're buying something or how it's going to impact their dog. Then they suddenly become the expert in their little group of friends. Oh, absolutely. And they're able to then in turn share why maybe what you're feeding your dog isn't probably the best thing for them. And my dog did that too before I switched yeah. to this, that, and the other brand. No and so, so they become your little ambassadors reaching in the homes that you would never be able to get That's into. That's a great way so. to put it. And it's very true. I get people, Leslie told me I have to come see you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Step into my office. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and you know, if, especially I was going to say, people don't realize that a lot of times, whether it's gastrointestinal issues or skin irritations or, um, you know, just energy levels and all those things can be so affected by what you feed your dog. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some that are better than others at at dealing with each of those things. And someone like you that knows that, knows what's in the ingredients and has kind of already done the research and filtered it for the customer. You know, we want to talk to you because we just want to say, look, my dog keeps having these these ear things, you know, (laughs) give me a food that will stop this ear itching going on, these ear infections and all that. So it's true. And you on some levels, that's. When it works, you feel like the hero, and you're happy that that dog is is happy, and the owner's happy, and they're not spending four hundred dollars at the vet every other week. Yeah, um, absolutely. And not not just that, but those you know, everyone knows that those you know, while those vet trips are necessary sure. for your animals, it stresses your dog, mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's not pleasant for you, it's not pleasant for them. And who wants to be on medication if there's something preventative? that you can do Absolutely. to help your dog have a better quality of life. You know, we love our dogs. We love our, they're like our kids, Absolutely. you know, so you don't want to put them through any stress that you don't have to. And I'm so lucky to have a group of veterinarians that um, refer to us um, because we're very careful not to, a lot of people will diss vets and you just, you cannot do that. You know, mm-hmm. we need them. We need, them. yeah, they are not always, perfect or right and you got to find the right one for you but um we need our veterinarians well how did you go about getting in good with a certain level of or certain number of veterinarians um uh my vet we just we have a great relationship so that's great and i had a dog with some kidney and heart issues several years ago and um i feed raw have for since 1999 wow um and i think having a background in food science and then I went back to uh, Western North Carolina for nutrition Mm -hmm. that I have a basis for my understanding but Mm -hmm. I think with my vet she saw what I was able to do with my dog and that Uh gave her a lot of confidence Um, and the other vets I think one because I never disagree with what they they tell uh-huh. A customer, I say, you may want to do some research in that or whatever, but I respect them. I think there's that respect between gotcha. them. And, and some people in this industry try and make it them or us. And, right. And uh, a symbiotic relationship is so much better. 
Right. And, you know, the, the senseless bashing and that sort of thing, it doesn't really do – it doesn't leave anyone feeling good no. about it. But but you're right. You know, if you can educate people and, you know, I, it's like anything. You know, we, as, as patients with our medical doctors, we kind of have to take ownership for our Absolutely. own care. Same thing with your dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just take someone else's opinion and say, no. that's all I need. I'm not going to do any more research. Right. And or let ask that be questions. I think that's the biggest thing. Ask your vet why. Yeah. You're doing that. And and that's the, the other thing too, you know, you can find a vet that you that will have the same philosophical yes. um perspective of treating animals, yes. whether it's through prevention or holistic means, yes. least intrusive and that sort of thing. And you know whenever you're going to a vet that just wants to keep adding more and more tests on because the bill keeps going Absolutely. up. You know. You feel the difference and, there. And people so. ask me all that, who's your vet or who do you go to? Right. Who would you and it, it it's a feeling what they're looking for. Do you want a mm-hmm. traditional? Do you want a whole holistic? Do you want a, a conventional vet that leans holistic? And we have it all here. I mean, we do have all of that. Well, and you're the um, kind of the grassroots connector mm-hmm. for those customers yes. finding a vet. Mm-hmm. So that's a great position to be in because it makes you the authority on that. So now, Andrea, tell us where we can find you online. Um, because I know that there might be some customers that want to check out what you're doing at the tailgate market. So tell us where we can find you online. Okay. Um, we obviously, the Facebook page is our most interactive. It's at okay. Facebook at the tailgate market. And okay. then we have www.thetailgatemarket.com. But sadly, I don't touch my website very often. <laughs> okay. Well, That's you can't do that. Talk, talk to customers as well. So um, definitely. So we will link up to all those places in the show notes and make sure people have, um, you know, the information on where to find you online. And uh, you've been extremely generous sharing your time with us today and working through uh, even some technical issues that we had um, whenever we started the call. Is there anything that we can let you um, have the floor to promote about your business? right now that that we could uh, send customers your way for any specific promotions um, I don't I don't think there are, as I said my inventory rotates so um, quickly but just the fact that we do carry researched products I mean I, I I know my foods I know the manufacturers when a manufacturer rep, manufacturers rep recently asked me if he could send his wife up to work with me for a week because they want to open a store <laughs> wow. The reps send all their new reps out so they get an education from you got to know your product. And right. we do know our product. We pick and choose which products are the best value but the best quality at the same time. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that's that's what we're about and if that's what somebody's looking for that they need to come see us. Well, and I was going to say, I'm sure if there are specific questions that people have, um, maybe about anything to do with maybe products they're using, what sure. you think of them, and that sort of thing, I bet they could hit you up on Facebook, and you would probably be able to give them um, some information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, we will make sure we link up to that. Andrea, I can't thank you enough for all you've shared with us today. You've given us some, um, you know, you've given us some highs and lows, and you've given us a little bit of perspective on your journey and the story behind the business and where it is now. And I'm just so appreciative for you uh, spending the time with us today and sharing your story with us. And um, thank you. That's all I can say from the bottom of my heart. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure for me too, Christy. Thanks so much for getting in touch with us. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick and mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local. 